Welcome to Career EQ, a podcast series focused on helping students navigate the beginning and early stages of their business careers. Your host, John Quinn, is a senior lecturer and director of the CPG Immersion Program at the Fisher College of Business at The Ohio State University. In each episode, we dive into a topic facing young professionals in today's ever-changing business environment. While John may not be an expert in all of these areas, his academic and corporate partner guests certainly are. That being said, let's dive into our topic for today and meet this episode's guest. So you got what you wanted, the coveted job offer. Now what? How can you make sure you get a fair compensation package that is commensurate with your worth, while not jeopardizing an opportunity you worked hard to get? Our guests are going to provide us with advice on how to navigate these tricky waters of job offer negotiations. Today, we have Yana Smith, Talent Development Leader at Global Overview, a partner agency of Amazon headquartered in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And we have a repeat appearance by Mark Wilson, Director at the Office of Career Management here at The Ohio State University. Welcome to Career EQ, Yana, and welcome back, Mark. Several former students of mine now work at Go, and a couple more work at their clients. But Yana, please tell our listeners a little bit about Go and what you do there. Yeah. Um, so Global Overview is a full-service Amazon agency um, where all of our clients sell on Amazon, and we support their full um, brand strategy, retail, e-commerce strategy and execution full-service Amazon advertising strategy and execution, um, as well as their back-end operations support um, and content design. We have a really strong relationship with Amazon, um, which is part of why I know you, John, because they invited us to co-teach with our Education Alliance uh, courses at the the Ohio State University. Um, So we really are proud of our relationship, and we've actually won a couple Amazon Advanced Partner Awards um, over the last couple of years through... uh, Um, that strong partnership. Um, My role at Go is more focused internally to support um, the engagement, development, and growth of our employees so that they can better support our clients. I've been here almost five years, and during that time, I've been the hiring manager for upwards of 30 to 40 different individuals as they've come into Go, either through an internship or um, an entry-level role into Go. and I'm excited to to talk about this um, topic of salary negotiation today. Definitely, you know, coming with my opinions on the way I've mentored and supported um, individuals, especially early in their career. Um, and I definitely have to preface that, you know, some of my opinions here might not actually be in the best interest of my organization, Global Overview, but really hoping it can help people as they're starting to establish um, themselves in their careers. Well, I appreciate you. Uh providing your expertise and helping out our listeners. Uh, and, you know, obviously I'm very appreciative of Go's uh, involvement with our Amazon Immersion class, but I, this is news to me. I didn't know you guys won some awards. Where's my trophy? I think I could yeah, I, I I mean, like to have a nice little trophy there on my <laughs> desk about this program. Yeah, I mean, I got you your Yeti mug, so that's, that's I, a start, That's true. Right? I, got, I got that going for me. That's true. So, <laughs> yeah. Mark, you and I have obviously been working closely together for the past year or so on programs like this. And But please tell us about the Office of Career Management here at Fisher and what it does for our students. Yeah, thanks, John. Uh, thanks for having me back on the show. Um, so I work with the Office of Career Management here at the Fisher College of Business, and I have been with the office for about 24 years at Ohio State for 27 And the focus of our office is really helping students, undergrad and graduate, uh, find employment, 
upon graduation. We do a lot of things like uh, we try to create as many opportunities as possible to bring students and employers together, such as the job fair we did last week. Uh, we do a lot of one-on-one -on -one appointments, career coaching appointments with students. Uh, we also go to the classroom and teach them some basics about interview skills, uh, resume writing. Uh, but one thing that we don't often get to talk about in a classroom is uh, negotiating a job offer. So this is a great opportunity. Thank you. Yeah, no, a great. Uh, thank you for coming. Uh, it's a topic that, quite honestly, in my career, I probably didn't do the best job at this. You know? um, so, Mark, why don't you start us off? What's the first thing somebody should do once they receive the offer? You know, um, it's really important to be grateful. I mean, it's, and you should also uh, pat yourself on the back that you got an offer because you got over a lot of hurdles to get there, to get that offer. And I think sometimes um, it's one of those moments where, especially students who have had this experience before, they um, might jump and accept right away. So pause, be grateful. And I think you need to be ready to say, well, I'm, I'm really grateful for the opportunity. Uh, I'm excited about this, but I need a little time to think about it. So I'm going to take the offer, think about it, and I will probably get back in touch with soon, soon with you about uh, maybe negotiating a couple things and letting you know where I stand. Great. And should you ask them, too, like what their time frame is? When do you need to know? Well, um, that is something to, to think about. Uh, most of the time, you're going to get that in your letter of offer. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to be told right away when they want a decision because that's for the recruiter, that's one of the most important things for them is that you say yes or no by a deadline. Yeah. Jana, I actually got the idea for this episode from a conversation you and I had where uh, a, uh, a candidate that you were uh, considering a go and provided an offer for just immediately accepted right then and there on the phone. What is your advice regarding that sort of reaction and what sort of impression did it leave upon you as the uh, prospective employer? Yeah. I mean, as the employer, we're always like surprised when someone just accepts it right away. Um, honestly, it makes things easier for us as an employer. Um, we're like, great, you're hired. We're excited for it. Um, but it also can kind of give off, um, you know, almost like you're desperate to, to take the offer, right? Um, and you're just not even really thinking about it that critically and just jumping in and wanting it. But, um, you know, something that I think I always tell people, my friends, my my family members, when they get a job, um, they're not going to come in with their best offer right away, right? They are going to assume that you're going to negotiate. Any good negotiator isn't going to give you their best offer right away. So I would always ask, and you know, to the things Mark was saying, completely agree, right? You're excited, be grateful, but yeah, I would say definitely, you know, tell them you want to think about the offer and, and can come back to them either, you know, later that day, if you, you do want to just accept it at face value, which I would not encourage you to do, um, but always leave them, you know, kind of in the limbo, so to speak, um, that you're going to think about it um, and take it seriously. You made an important point there about the employer is not really showing their hand, right? With, with the first offer, there's usually some wiggle room, some, uh, some space there that they can enhance the offer. Uh, and they kind of have that in the back of their mind in case they need to do it. Um, what elements of compensation typically are more negotiable than others? And kind of a two-parter, as a, a candidate that's received an offer, should you always engage in some degree of negotiation? There are a lot of things that someone can negotiate. I know that we always think of salary first, and that's probably because that's the thing that's the biggest and matters the most and probably the scariest thing to talk about. 
Because um, I think it's hard for a lot of us to, um, you know, say I'm worth this much. And even though we know we're worth it, sometimes it's hard to say it. I think that's why people get caught on that. Um, you know, when I'm dealing with college students, this is either, this is either their first job after college. Um, so they're not walking in that door with an offer that they have all this experience they can bring to the table uh, where they've already been doing this. Um, so they don't always have a lot of room to negotiate on salary. Um, so we talk about things like if the, the, maybe the student, like I was just talking to a student, she's going to accept an offer and she's going to move to San Francisco. Um, she's going to have to do that all by herself. And I said, well, did they give you any relocation package? She said, I don't even know what that is. What mm -hmm. is that? And so we talked about, like, well, why don't you ask about if they could give you some money to help you move because you're going to move from Columbus, Ohio to San Francisco, California. And that, that was something she negotiated for, and they were happy to give it to her. Um, it was kind of one of those moments where I'm thinking, was it already there, and they just didn't bring it up, hoping she wouldn't ask for it? Um, but they were happy to go ahead and give her the money to help her move. I think they gave her $3,000 to move. Yeah. And um, she's probably going to find a way to do it for a thousand and put two thousand in her pocket, um, as any good accountant, accounting student would. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we have a very flexible workplace now. I think people can often um, negotiate for some flexibility about when their work hours are during the day. Um, they can also try to find the you know the opportunity where maybe I can work remotely more often. Um, you know, but there, there's, you know, there's always going to be, you know, the employer will be flexible to a point. So those are things you can negotiate. I think you can also negotiate for maybe some additional vacation time. Like my, my son just called me today. He got an offer for an internship this summer and we have a family vacation yeah. that we take every July. And he's like, so what do you think I should do, dad? Do I, you know, do you think they'll give me the time off? And I said, well, you won't know until you ask. And so he went ahead and I said, let's, let's put it this way. Tell them exactly what time you need off and ask them if they're, they can do that for you. And uh, we'll wait and see what he has to say. Yeah. yeah. Um, actually, I, I helped out a couple uh, young professionals. One came right out of school. One that's been out of school for a few years on a, negotiating a couple of different points. Uh, one was a, in a situation where they're going to start working off in central Ohio, and but this company's going to open a new office in Boston, and they're going to relocate them to Boston in about six months. I say, hey, that's great, very exciting, you know. But have they said anything about an adjustment in salary for that? Good question. You know, so look at the cost of living mm -hmm. adjustment and say, you know, I would like to, you know, hey, I'm really excited about this, but can we have some sort of escalator in there once you know, I move to Boston that it's about a 30% higher cost of living, whatever it was, mm -hmm. and you, know, you get cover mo most of that, you know, kind of close that gap as much as possible. And I find that when you come to employers with a well-thought-out rationale, that they're usually very receptive to that. Like, Yana, would you agree with that? Yes, absolutely. It shows that you're you're thinking about it. And I use critical thinking a lot as a term, but I think that really just shows a lot of critical thinking. Yeah. And the other person, when they've been out for about four or five years and they got an offer, they're again, very excited about switching kind of uh, industries, making some more money. Um, but they're concerned about some of the elements of the package and they realize, well, it looks like I'm going to have to pay a lot more in healthcare. So they're really ha happy about all the elements, but it's like, well, just calculate it out. How, what's that difference? What does that difference mean from a gross standpoint? And then you can kind of use that and say like, hey, based on, I'm really excited about this offer, but it looks like 
I'm going to come out of pocket about $2,000 extra per year based on your health plan than what the health plan I currently have. Can I have $3,000 to help cover that? And, uh, and they immediately said yes. Because you know, that was kind of that same critical thinking. It's like, all right, I actually did the numbers, cranked the numbers, and was able to successfully get you know a little bit more out of them. Um, is there any situation where, well, before I get into that, let me ask a question like, how should one prepare for negotiations? What's the best way they can uh, um, do some research and understand what they can possibly ask for uh, from a salary standpoint, from a culture, a corporate culture standpoint? What are some of the things they should do? Yeah, I mean, I would definitely say use, use the term research definitely research. Um, but I would say keep in mind that a lot of the resources that candidates have at their disposal are free resources online, right? So you want to kind of take that with a grain of salt, look at the market, look at the experience level that it's showing, but also keep in mind employers use um, paid resources. So they have access to different resources than you do. So what you're finding might not necessarily align precisely to what they have. Um, you know, I, I have an example of a candidate we were really excited to hire, um, but the salary they were asking for was double what we were offering for an entry-level role. Um, and they said they used salary.com to research and found that what they were asking for was, you know, in line with what we should be paying. And it's like, well, we've hired, you know, companies that do this as their whole service to tell us what the market rate is. We might be, you know, in the 50 or 75 percentile of what we're, we're paying here. But what you're seeing honestly sounds like someone with maybe like five plus years of experience in a different market. Um, so just keep that in mind that when you are, you know, making these um, assumptions or doing this research that you're not using the same um, resources that an employer is. And so, um, you know, they might have a bit more that they're dealing with that you might not necessarily um have access to. So keep that in mind too, when you're doing the research, but um, yeah. Mark, I saw you smiling and nodding your head in a lot when Yana <laughs> was talking about the salary piece. It seems like that struck pretty close to home to you. Well, yeah, because a college student really, it's very hard for them to figure out how much they're worth. Mm -hmm. uh, so we do a lot of work to collect data on that with their help. So we try to, we have a whole database that we ask all the students to report their internships and their full-time job offers that they accept put those into the database and uh, they can they can use that database themselves to get an idea of let's say they get a they get an offer from JP Morgan Chase and they're like well I wonder if anybody else has gotten this job before and what they were paid and if there's enough data in there they can get that out of the database mm -hmm. um, it'll give them a pretty good idea of what the offers were it'll you know it'll give them a range so they have something to work with and um, that can be very helpful yeah. Um, because and, it does kind of give them a realistic picture rather yeah. than using something like I looked up some information on, I think it was uh, payscale.com in preparation for this, just out of curiosity with accounting jobs, because I work with a lot of accounting students. And uh, the range was pretty big uh, for Columbus. It was as low as the mid-40s and as high as the mid-80s. Um, but I know most of the students are getting offers about 68000 That's a pretty good offer to stay here in Ohio and be an mm -hmm. accountant with yeah. one of the big four. Yeah. Well, um, 
You know, you mentioned a little bit earlier about a flexibility, working from home or hybrid type of situations. Now, ideally, you should, if that was a priority, you should, you should probably ask questions during the interviewing process. Um, but I think it's important to be attuned to the culture of the organization. And if it's a bigger brand, you, a bigger company, you should probably easily find some information like that. I mean, for example, you know, I work closely with Amazon. A bunch of people I worked with uh, now have to be in the office two or three days a week. I mean, you're thinking a tech company should be, oh, they're probably really flexible. It's like, well, actually, Meta's bringing people back, brought, brought, people, brought people back in the office too. You know, so a lot of this information is uh, relatively easily available. You maybe find somebody in your network that works there. You know, the other thing you're talking about, the negotiation piece, and you can look in the, the database that OCM here has at Fisher. Um, and maybe they you might not have specific information regarding that exact company, but you can benchmark it against something else. For example, maybe you got a role at KeyBank or mm-hmm. Huntington. Yes. And, and then you can find a similar role. And, well, here's you know, three students that came out and went to Chase and had a very similar role. Here's what they made. Mm-hmm. So uh, you can benchmark like that too, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I feel, you know, there will be plenty of candidates candidates out there that get a job offer from an employer that's a small employer, and there's no way we're going to have any data on that. Yeah. They're gonna, not going to show up in, in payscale.com or in Glassdoor. So what do you do there? Um, that's when it's really important to have a conversation with the person that's been recruiting you. Um, and you can ask them, you know, is there a pay range that, that you were planning on to, you know, that you're going to be offering me? And it that probably helps to have that conversation at the end of the interview, not during the offer process. And that's something we, we really try to coach our students is to close the interview by asking about next steps. And that can be a next step to say, if I were to get an offer, um, I'm just trying to get an idea of what the scale, the pay scale would be. And I think people are more comfortable talking in, in ranges and especially with a smaller employer that you're not likely to come across that information. Um, and you can, even after the offer, um, it's, it's okay to ask, like, well, what's the, the pay range here that mm-hmm. you're offering yeah. to get a better idea? And, and a lot of times people are open to you, open about that. Um, and a lot of times the job has been specced at a very specific right. pay level. Yes. And there's a range in there. And typically they're probably going to offer you something in the lower end of that range. Correct. Correct. So, so how about like... When they're negotiating or get your offer and you're pushed and the, the candidate is asking some questions back, what are some things, what are some areas they should be very careful when they go into? What are some like no-nos, things that are sending negative signals to your prospective new employer? Uh, well, I think one of the first things to do is always start off being positive and assume that the other side that you're negotiating with is also has positive intent. Mm-hmm. Um I talked to a recruiter because I knew this was coming up. So I was asking some of my recruiter friends, you know, what are some of the most um, annoying things that you run into during the job offer negotiation? And it came up a couple times that um, it's almost like the candidate sees them as an adversary. They have to beat in negotiations. Yeah. And that's not what's going on at all, because if they've offered you the job, they want you. Yeah. And you need to keep that in mind. Um, so they're not out to trick you. Um you know, a lot of times people feel like, oh, yeah, they're going to try to try to get you on the cheap and yeah. take advantage really, of you. Right. And, you know, you can always say, well, sure. And, you know, and you're on the Senate, um, you know, a good negotiator is not going to give you the best offer out, out right out the, you know, right at the start. Um, so it is good to negotiate for it. And I think everybody expects people to, to negotiate when they make them an offer. 
Um, so nothing's going to go wrong when you negotiate. Yana, can you think of any recent experiences you've had with any of your prospective employees where they asked a question or pushed back on an element of the compensation package that sent you a red flag? Yeah. Um, and actually, before I get into that, I wanted to go back to Mark's earlier point with when to bring up um, kind of the range you're looking for at the end of the interview. Um, I would definitely say do that with your recruiter. When you do the first screen, don't bring that up with the hiring manager. Because um, to me, as the hiring manager, I'm always the first person to interview right after the recruiter. And if they bring that up to me, that just shows me that they're only motivated um, by the salary and they're not asking me questions about the culture or what to expect from the role and what skills they'll get out of it. Um, so definitely make sure to discuss that with the recruiter. That's what they're there for, to answer those questions. Um, but I think, John, going back to your, your question specifically, um, even the, the person that I mentioned earlier who was expecting double um, in the salary, my recruiter said, well, that's not our range. Here is our range. Is that a deal breaker for you? Because we didn't want to move forward um, with the interview if it was just we were completely not in line with what they were expecting. They said, no, it's not a deal breaker. Um, we went forward, had a full loop interview, spent time debriefing. We were so excited about this candidate. When we give them the offer, they turned around and said, no, I still want double. Um, and so it really kind of left a bad taste in our mouth of, okay, well, that's not what we discussed earlier. Um, ultimately, because of that, they turned us down. Um, and now, you know, we're not obviously not going to move forward with them. So that red flag doesn't matter as much. It was just kind of an unfortunate situation. Another time, and the only time we actually ever rescinded an offer, um, which, because normally, like, if you're going to negotiate, they're not going to, you know, say, oh, no, never mind, we're not going to hire you, right? More often than not, right? It's either, yes, we can negotiate, and we'll move forward. But um, we had a situation where they weren't taking our, you know, we negotiated or our recruiter negotiated with them, um, had some back and forth, and they still didn't like the final offer. And they actually found our president's email address and emailed him directly trying to go over everybody's head to try to convince why they should get offered this, this higher level. So that just told us, that's not a great culture fit because here at Go, we're very collaborative, supportive. We don't have a huge hierarchy. So this person going directly to the head of our company, trying to you know act as if they are, are going to get what they want by not working directly with the recruiter, that's the only time we've ever rescinded an offer. That is like, my jaw just dropped when you told me that story. I could not believe that. That's <laughs> shocking. All right, just a yeah, warning but... out there for our listeners about that. <laughs> Do not go over people's heads. That does not go over well. You know, other yeah, elements... Honestly, we were glad we were glad that that happened because oh, yeah. that showed us who they were, and Absolutely. we didn't have yep. to move forward. Yep. Um, what about some other elements that might send off a red flag? One thing I could think of is uh, focusing too much on the real short-term components of it, like a signing bonus, or pushing really hard on PTO. Mm -hmm. What type of signs does that send you? Yeah, I, I think um, pay time off. By the way, yes. Uh, yeah, well, that's the thing. When you're negotiating, you have to realize that you're not always going to get everything you want the way you want it. I mean, it's, it's a negotiation. Maybe you'll get some of what you want. Maybe you won't get any of it. And you have to be very prepared for that to go that way. And that's when it's important to be mature and not get stuck on the details of um, those things. Because if you really want the job and you want to work with that company at that location, um, the fact that maybe you won't 
be able to work remotely three days a week and you can only work remotely two days a week, that's not a reason to throw the whole thing away. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's very important to manage when you're having that conversation with the recruiter um, to manage your emotions well. Um, to to Because, um, you know, it's, it's sometimes you're going to get news that you're not excited about, but you don't want to show that. Yeah. Um, you want to remain positive and, and still show that you're very interested in the opportunity. Yeah. I always uh, kind of think about it this way too. It's like, think about what signal you're sending when you're asking for this. Are you sending a signal that you're overly focused on the short term or you're sending a signal that maybe your work ethic might be in question? Mm-hmm. So uh, kind of put yourself in the other person's shoes for a while and think about how might the, my I be perceived when I ask these questions? I think that's really important. Um, so, you know, we did an episode called Tricky Interview Questions um, a little while ago, and I'd also like to get your perspective on this topic. And we talked about negotiating salaries, but um, what about that, that panic-inducing salary question you get? Like, what are you looking to make when they ask you, when they put it in your... And also, are they allowed to ask you... Let's say you've been out for a year or two. So average trailing millennial and the Gen Zs are going to probably have about 13 different jobs in their career. There's a very good chance you're going to be out just for two years and looking for your second job. Um, are employers allowed to ask you how much are you making now? And if somebody does do that, what do you? How do you respond? So there's two questions there. The first one is like, how do you handle that question? What are you looking for? And second question is, what do you do when they ask you how much you're making now? Yeah, they're well. They're definitely allowed to ask it. Um, I would say you need to be have an idea of a pay range. Um, and that's where you have to do that research in advance so that you have some idea of what professionals with that job title in that city are paid. And you can get an idea of what that pay range is. And that's when you don't ever want to give them a specific number like 75000 You want to give them a pay range of sixty six to 86000 mm-hmm. And that way, there's a whole lot of room to work with there. Um, of course, I don't think you'd ever want to make the range lower than what you're already making, right. unless you really want that job with that company, then it might be worth it. But, uh, yeah, I think you have to work within ranges and you have to do your research in advance to get those ranges. Now, are there cert- certain states that their employers are not allowed to ask how much you're specifically making? But I, you know, I don't know about that. I know there are states where it's required to have some transparency about what the job is paying, mm-hmm. like New York and California. And, um... It's interesting. I've just had a conversation with um, with Smucker, Jam Smucker Company, and they're working really hard to put um, the salary in all their job descriptions um, when they post their jobs, internships, and full time. Because the you know the evidence is there that if you have a job posting out there and you include the salary, it gets it will have many many more applications compared to the ones that don't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Washington state where I live, you also have to put the the salary on the, um, the job, um, now, which I agree. I think it just allows both sides to be kind of on the same page going into it. So I think it was a great move, um, to have that. And I think it definitely helps candidates a lot. Um, but I would say, yeah, never tell them how much you're, you're making now. Um, and I, I, haven't fact checked this, but I had a previous um, HR person at my company say that it is illegal in some states for them to ask you how much you currently make. Um, But we can fact check that after after this. Um, But, you know, my, 
my husband, when he was negotiating his last job, was asked by the recruiter how much he currently makes. And he told them. And when they came back to him with an offer that was slightly higher than what he currently makes, but not really what he was looking to make, he was looking to make more. And when he attempted to negotiate, they're like, well, this is more than you make today. So, you know, why don't you go ahead and take this offer? Um, luckily for him, he was given a little bit more um, stock because it is a publicly traded company, but um, he really kind of shot himself in the foot on his negotiating abilities by, by telling them that rather than to your point, Mark, of a range of what you would like to make. So we, I talked a little bit about, or and asked a little bit about um, the signals that the prospective candidates giving the company in these negotiations. What about the flip side of that? What about like how a company engages in these negotiations might tip you off about something about their culture and how they treat their people? Yeah, I mean it, it, that does happen, and I mean it's it's just like the the candidate uh, Yana was talking about that you know emailed the president and they figured out this is not somebody we want here to, you know, this is great that we figured it out early before we really got too close. Um, same thing can happen when you're, you get an offer and you're negotiating. And I can say from my own experience, um, I remember I got an offer from an employer that I had been pursuing for about a year. I really wanted this job and, um, how they offered it to me and the demands they were making of me to give them an answer quickly and when I wasn't giving it to them quickly, um, how they kind of hounded me to get an answer, I thought, this is not somebody I want to work for. This is a bad sign. Yeah, yeah. This makes it very easy for me to, well, it wasn't easy. Fortunately, I had another offer to take. But uh, yeah, there was a lot of red flags just in that experience right there that told me that's not where I want to be. There sounds like there, I would be micromanaged there someday. Yeah, we talked a little bit about um, the timeline. When, when do I need to let you know by? I actually got a job offer once and they told me they are sending a messenger to my house waiting for the signed contract. And wow. I was like, that's a pretty good sign of a, a culture you need to be wary of. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I just wanted to say, I mean, Mark trusted his gut there. And I think a lot of people early in their career might not even really trust their gut or recognize that these might be some red flags. So I think Mark's story is really a good lesson for people early in their career to like trust when you're seeing something that doesn't sit right with you um, because you're deciding just as much as them rather whether or not you want to work there. So I really like that story for Mark. Yeah. Yeah. Trust your instincts a little bit too. I mean, I can go back in my career and there was two incidents that I cho chose to avoid my instincts and it was, uh, and my instincts were right. You yeah. Know, I learned they usually are. Uh, a couple years later, like, oh yeah. All right. So uh, last question I want to pose to you uh, is that, all right, you're ready to accept the offer. How do you recommend this new employee? How should they act? How should they accept the offer? Yana, you want to tackle that one first? Yeah, absolutely. I think it, it goes back to some things we talked about earlier too, right? Um, you've gone back and forth, you've negotiated, now you have an offer in hand. Um, definitely express your gratitude um, and your excitement, right? If um, Although the recruiters at that point is not going to rescind the offer, but it, you know, it might just leave like, oh, they don't seem that excited to work here. They might second guess that it was, it was the right choice. But yeah. Um, you know, express your, your gratitude, enthusiasm, um, but make sure anything you negotiated is in writing, like make sure it's in the offer. It's in the final email. Um, never, you know, 
it's really just trying to, to, to save yourself in the long run, make sure anything you negotiate is in writing. Um, and then really just kind of ask for any clarifications and, and next steps. Um, if you have a question on anything, you know, your cr- recruiter is really your lifeline to, to make sure you're set up for success going into the next steps of, of starting that job. Yeah. Getting things in writing is critical. Um, so I was working with a student uh, this past semester and, and she got a job offer and she accepted it. And then she had a lot of questions and some of those questions about the well, quote, she said, well, you know, they never really told me when I was going to start. And I said, that wasn't in the, the letter of offer. And she said, no, it wasn't. Okay. And, and she's an international student. So she has to also work, uh, worry about visa issues mm-hmm. and she can only be unemployed for 90 days after graduation. And we had no idea when her job was going to start. Wow. And um, there were also some things related to uh, study materials and, and um, courses for the CPA that um, they mentioned in the interviews, but it was not in, the, not in any writing that she had. And it took a long time to get those things nailed down afterwards. Yeah. So you need to nail them down before. Yes. Yep. Yep. And a lot of stress. Same that story I told earlier about um, that's soon to be graduating student that's going to be relocated to Boston six months after starting. It's like, get that escalator of that salary in the letter and make sure it's in the letter. Well, thanks, John and Mark, for coming on Career EQ. Your insights and advice have been of great help. You're welcome. Thank you. As always, check out our webpage for additional resources and see you again soon at Career EQ. Please check the webpage for additional related links and resources on this topic. Career EQ is brought to you by the Fisher College of Business at The Ohio State University. We'd like to thank our production crew, including our producer, Doug Carraway, for making this possible, and the Office of Career Management, dedicated to supporting our business school students in the launch of their careers. See you next time at Career EQ.